Um, and we've been going, if you're new or visiting, we've been going through this series, uh, going through the Gospel of Matthew. We won't go through all of it. Jesus, the King who saves. And we're kind of heading into a new section. So we're starting chapter 8 this morning. We finished the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you remember right at the beginning, we were saying to you guys that Matthew is divided into these kind of five major teaching blocks. So we finished the first one when we finished the Sermon on the Mount. And then we've got chapter 8 and 9. And then next week, we're starting with the 10th chapter, which is the second teaching block. And in the middle, between chapter 8 and 9, you've got all these healings. And so we're going to cover three of them today. Uh, But feel free to read through chapter 9 and the rest of chapter 8 through the week. Um, So I'll be jumping in and out of chapter 8 as we do this to hopefully give you a bit of a big picture of chapter 8 and 9. Okay, so we're in Matthew chapter 8 from verse 1, and we're going to be reading through to verse 17. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 1, and I'm reading from the ESV. When he, that's Jesus, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. And when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled, and he said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table. At the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law laying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you obviously have great authority as we look at this passage. And we pray that you would use that right now to speak to us, to address us, to work even in the deepest, sometimes darkest corners of our hearts, to uh, expose things that need to be exposed and bring to light wonderful truths 
about you and about the gospel and about how to live with one another and how to live in this world. Lord, as Tony was just praying, there's, there's, there's power struggles between Russia and Ukraine and others, but you're more powerful and we see your heart in this passage. Would you, would you show us that? Would you comfort us and lead us in this time when there's sickness, not just in this passage back then, but around us as COVID creeps closer and closer? And so, yeah, lead us now and, and bless us with your word. And we pray this for your glory and for our good. Amen. Um, I, we were going to have some dedications today. And so I didn't even do an intro. I couldn't really think of a good one anyway, uh, but I was trying to keep it short. So we're just going to get straight into the passage. And I want us to see three things from this passage this morning. And as I said, also kind of as a bigger picture of chapter 8 and 9. And the first is this. Sickness reminds us of our sin. Sickness reminds us of our sin. Sickness, suffering, disease and death, they're all part of this fallen world we live in. And you know what? There's no place on earth that's exempt from it. And, and with a worldwide pandemic, we are reminded of this again. And especially as COVID is now really here, within our communities, right on our doorsteps, we should remember this. Humanity has turned its back on God and rejected Him. You see, we have turned from our Creator. We have turned from the author of life. Uh, and we've we've really turned from the one that sustains all things, the whole world, and from the God who, from whom all good things come. And so what do you expect? The result of this is a broken and hurting world. And it's not just a logical consequence, right, of turning from God, but God has actually actively cursed the world. We saw this when we looked at Romans 8, uh, I think it was last year. We saw that God... Um, yeah, put this curse on the world to frustrate us, to, to make sure that everything we try and achieve is not as fruitful as it could be, but often things are fruitless. And he did this to remind us of our, of our rebellion against him. He, he, sickness, disease, death, and pandemics are all part of this. And God did this so that we might turn back to him. And that's what we've been praying would happen actually to many people through this COVID period. And maybe now that it's actually arrived, we're going to see our prayers answered. That'll be great to see that. Now this connection between sin and suffering is very strong in the first story that we've looked at in verses 2 to 4. Firstly, we see this leper comes up to Jesus and he asks him if he could make him clean. Did you notice that? He doesn't ask to heal him. He asks him to make him clean because as it stands, he is unclean. Now, now leprosy is a horrible skin disease, right? It kind of makes your skin all white. It creates nasty sores and um, yeah, kind of open wounds. And, and apparently you can even lose the end of your fingers or your toes from it. It's a physical nasty sickness. So why is it that this guy comes in the... He asked Jesus to make him spiritually clean. You know, like, shouldn't be a physical question that he asks and not a spiritual? But that's what the leper does, and that's what he's talking about, is being spiritually unclean. He's ritually unclean because of this leprosy. And he can't go to the temple. 
He can't gather with God's people the way that everyone else gets to. And he can't enjoy the many blessings of worshipping God as a community. And so in this picture, we are reminded that sickness is a part of a bigger problem. The problem of sin. And it becomes even more clear in verse 4, when after Jesus heals this man's leprosy, he tells him this, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. I mean, firstly, we see that Jesus is not against the law, as he said so many times. He tells people to go and do it. But if you go to Leviticus 13 and 14 to go and read up, to learn about what Jesus is talking about here, seriously, it's like reading a COVID-19 policy. Uh, you, you go and someone has an idea, maybe I've got leprosy, so they go to the priest. Um, I don't know if, if there was a PCR thing back then, priest testing system or something. But they go to the priest and he does all these tests and then you go and isolate for seven days. Seriously. And then after seven days, they go and they test you again. If they're not quite sure, maybe it looks positive, but we're not 100% sure. Okay, you go into isolation for seven days again. I'm not making this up. Go and read Leviticus 13 uh, to 14. And after seven days, um, the second slot of period, if, if, the, if the leper is clean, they are kind of pronounced clean. But once they, they get to this point, they have to come to the priest again. They've got to bring two birds with them and some other things. And uh, one of those birds then get killed and their blood gets like squeezed out into a tub. They put everything else that he brought into that tub, including the live bird. And they use some of these things to sprinkle blood seven times over this leper. And he's then pronounced clean. The other bird gets shooed off and flies away. And it's very similar to the Day of the Atonement, right? Where they've got this goat where they confess all their sins on and then he runs off to portray pictorially that their sin has been taken away from, G, from, from them. God has dealt with it. So that's that. Then this person gets to come back into the community. And for seven days, again, he gets to come back into the walls because they have to be outside, but they're not allowed to sleep in their own house. They have to stay outside. After seven days of that, they have to bring three more animals. They bring three lambs. And a, a, a sin offering is made, a guilt offering, and a burnt offering. All of this uh, so that they can be made clean again. And through this whole thing, as you're reading it, you think, man, this guy's got a huge sin problem, right? It's just all the blood and all the kind of ways that they normally deal with sin. He even does a sin offering. But the reality is he's got a sickness problem. So which one is it? But you know what it was? It was to remind us of, of the bigger problem, of people, of humanity's sin that led to all the sickness. That is what has happened. And it's crazy that after those seven days again, they have to make these three sacrifices, making all of this even more kind of better down. Just imagine if you went through that whole process and you finally um, declared clean, you're walking to your house, what are you going to think about the most? Are you going to be thinking about your sickness or your sin? I bet God has done that to make us think of our sins. The sins underneath all of the sickness that we're experiencing. Now, I just want to make something very clear because often when you talk about this link between sickness and sin, people start thinking, when was the last time I had a cold? And what did I do that day Whether God used that to punish me for? 
Right? We often have people that live in that space. As soon as something happens in terms of sickness, there must be a direct link between my sickness and my sin. But that's not true. So when you get sick, it's not some punishment from God because you sin. Think of the Shira family. They all got um, you know, COVID last week. They tested positive. And would you believe it, in our family, we didn't get any COVID. And so does that mean that we're, you know, we're like little angels there in our house compared to them? They must have done something really bad. No, not at all. Not at all. Definitely not. You see, the sickness and the suffering, the disease and the death that we experience is because of humanity's general sin of rejecting God, not our specific sins. It's the sin of the world that has brought sickness into the world. And in Matthew 8-9, to the biggest section that we're in, we see this world. Jesus bumps into a paralytic. Um, he bumps into a blind man. He bumps into a woman um, that has got, had a discharge pretty much all her life, and it doesn't stop. Jesus even comes across, um, you know, demon-possessed people and a dead little girl. And in our story, obviously, has... Peter's mom with a fever, another paralytic, and the leper. And you know what? Jesus heals everyone. And he casts out the demons with a word. And he raises the dead. It's amazing. What you see is you see the kingdom of heaven that Jesus has been preaching and calling people to repent and believe in, breaking into the lives of people on earth. That's what we see in this section, so I really want to encourage you to go and read the rest of it at home this week before we get to chapter 10 next week. Jesus shows us what life was meant to be, what life can be if we trust and follow him, and certainly what life will be finally and fully one day when he returns. Jesus is, what he's also doing through this is he shows us his authority over sickness and sin, which we'll get to in the next point. But before we do, I want us to really think about this and how this shapes us now. How does, how does this to apply to us now, especially in light of Advanced Sunday and also with all the COVID stuff that's going on? You know, with Advanced Sunday, we've, we've thought, we've prayed, we've encouraged each other to take a step or steps in advancing towards God's kingdom, seeking his kingdom. And we've mentioned four things, growing, serving, uh, reaching, and giving. I want you to think about growing with me, okay? Sickness is meant to remind us of our sin. So as COVID no longer remains something out there, somewhere far away from us, but actually managed to get through our closed borders, would you believe it? And it's now on our back steps, if you like, right on our patios. How are you growing in your faith? Are you consumed thinking about COVID or are you letting COVID do what God intends for it to do, which is to focus on your heart? Not to think about the sickness, but to think about the sins that are hiding in there. To check your heart. Make sure, do, have I dealt with this? Have I given this over to Jesus? Have I, am I trusting him for what happens even if COVID was to take my life? When things are so shaky, as we kind of saw last week, are we, are we building our lives on the rock-solid words of Jesus during this time? The school shuts down. Now these guys are in isolation. Now this guy comes off the team. Everything just seems so unstable. 
Are you taking Jesus' words and building your life on them? Rock solid. Having a firm foundation under your feet. Growing in that. This time of testing is meant to purify and strengthen our faith and make us more like Jesus. So are you growing to be more like him during this time? Or are you running away? Are you growing to be more like him or running away? Overcome by the fears of COVID. Jesus later says in Matthew 10, maybe Tony will touch on this next week. He's got a whole chapter to deal with, so who knows. But Jesus says, fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Have you let those words minister to you? If you're, if you're one of the people that are particularly afraid of COVID, do you believe it? Or at least, are you growing in believing it? Because none of us believe perfectly, but we are growing in it. So, sickness reminds us of our sin, and hopefully you are using this time and pleading that God would grow you through it. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Jesus has authority over sickness and sin. Now look, it's very obvious from our passage that Jesus had authority over sickness, isn't it? I mean, I was, I was thinking even the blind man that he healed could see that. You know, it's that obvious. He says, be clean to the leper, and immediately he's healed. He says, go, let it be done to the centurion, and his servant is healed that very moment. He touches the hand of Peter's mother-in-law, and her fever leaves her. And he also cast out demons by simply speaking. I mean, Jesus just oozes power, Right? We saw this last week as we finished the Sermon on the Mount. Have a look at this, Matthew 7, 28 to 29. When Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, all these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus showed himself the teacher with authority, and now in this new section he's showing us as the one with authority over sickness and sin. And it's particularly clear from what the centurion says in verses 8 to 10. Look at it with me. Verses 8 to 10. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and he said to those around him who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. You see, the centurion as someone, um, you know, with authority, who's also under authority, this guy knows how to spot authority, right? Um, and when he looks at Jesus, he sees it. Ultimately, it seems like what he's saying to Jesus is, Hey, Jesus, unlike me, You're not actually under any authority, but you have authority over everything. And so simply speak. Just speak with your powerful, authoritative words as the one that has authority over all things, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus praises the centurion. He says he's found no one who has seen that clearly, Jesus' authority, and trusted so simply in his word. So the centurion here is the model example for us how to respond to Jesus' authority. Now our passage very much shows Jesus' authority over sickness, 
But we have to move on a bit further to have a look at his authority over sin. Have a look here at Matthew 9, uh, verse 2. So this is in the, still in our biggest section. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic laying on a bed. This is the famous story where they led him through the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Look, here we've got the exact same situation that we've got in our passage with the centurion's paralytic servant. Did you see? So you've got someone who's a paralytic and someone goes and intercedes for them and asks for them to be healed. Everyone that's following Jesus is probably thinking, oh, he's done one of these before. I know what he's going to say. He's just going to say what he said before. Let it be done for you as you have believed. But shockingly, instead, Jesus says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knows this young man's greatest need is not to have himself healed of his sickness, but to have his sins forgiven. And he shows himself as the one with the authority to forgive those sins. You see, for Jesus, our primary problem is to be without sin, not to be without sickness. Look what he says a bit later in in Matthew 9, verse 12. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, here Jesus talks about sin as a sickness. And he likens himself to a doctor. And he says that he's come to heal that sickness. The sickness of our lack of righteousness. And here in this section, especially in chapter 9, we see Jesus wanting to deal with the sickness, if you like, behind the sickness and the disease. Jesus wants to heal us from the spiritual sickness that all our physical sicknesses are pointing to. I I, I listened to a a doctor a few years ago when I was still at college, so this was, you know, it was only the other day, really. Um, I was listening to him at a men's event at a church in Geraldton. It was a, an evening thing. And he, he was asked to come and talk about physical sicknesses and how the blokes should be looking after themselves better. And there were some funny questions about guy, with, from guys with huge beer bellies. But anyway, that's another story. As he was talking about physical sickness, which he was very qualified to talk about, he had this helpful square that he used. Uh, to help us think about um, kind of sicknesses that are seen and sicknesses that are unseen. Those are the two kind of things. And then within that, it is sicknesses that are not deadly and then things that are deadly. So think about the seen, seen sicknesses that are not deadly. So that leaves you in square one. You know, so you have your child, they come over to you and they've got a huge graze on their knee because they've fallen over, they're crying. You can see that. It's not deadly. We know what to do. It's good. We can see it, so we'll put a band-aid on or whatever. Then you get things that are unseen but are not deadly. You have a guy walk down the street. You think, oh, he's perfectly fine. But in the meantime, he's got huge back pains or he's got a headache or something. He's on lots of meds, but you can't see it. Then you go into the third one where you have things that are deadly, but at least you can see them. You know, a guy walks into the hospital. His arm is off. And then everyone goes, oh, gee, you know, if we don't sort that out, this guy could die. He's going to bleed out. Oh, well, that's good. We can see it, you know. And then you've got your fourth one, which is unseen things, but that are deadly. 
You know, that's stuff like fat around your organs or your arteries are starting to clog up and things like that you can't actually see. Maybe you've got a tumor growing in your brain. Those are the serious things. And this doctor warned us about those unseen and deadly block that goes in there, number four. And that's when you can't see you have a medical problem that will kill you. And you know what? Jesus comes and he shows us a sickness in that block, in block four. It doesn't show up in rat tests. It doesn't show up in MRI scans, x-rays, ultrasounds, blood tests. It shows in selfishness, unforgiveness, lusting, gossiping, fits of anger, and so on. And the outcome is worse than just death. It's eternal death. This is serious. Much more serious than anything that doctor was talking to us about that night. This is something, and this is the other scary bit, that no doctor can do anything about. But only Jesus, who has the authority to deal with sin. Now, before we move on to our last point, I want us to apply this to our COVID context in light of Advanced Sunday again. This time I want us to think about reaching others with the gospel. You know, we will have many people around us getting COVID. It's already happening. We're up to a thousand cases a day now. And we, we know from over east that, you know, at some point they had 100,000 a day. So it's probably only going to get worse. And people might even die from COVID, sadly. We're going to try and avoid that at all costs, but it might happen. And you know where it'll take them? It'll take them standing face to face with the living God. And he doesn't care if you've got a virus. Heaven is a virus-free place. Heaven is what Mark McGowan is trying to create with WA, but can't quite do it. Because he's not God. And he lives in a fallen world. To get through the doors of heaven, to enjoy eternal life, you know, you don't need a vaccine passport. It doesn't matter. And I'm not trying to downplay these things. Hear me very carefully. I'm not trying to downplay these things. But the reality is your status before God is much more important than your vaccination status. It's your status with God that matters after death. And so are we sharing Jesus with people that they might enjoy a right standing before God, to have a a, a great status before him because of Jesus? Or are we too afraid to talk to people around us because we're so scared of catching the virus? Or, Or are we happily talking, but we're not actually talking about Jesus? We're just talking about, and this one's been very challenging for me, talking about what the government should have done and whinging about the mask and the vaccination, this and that, and all this stuff related with COVID. But we don't actually share the Christ with people that can help people beyond what COVID can do at its worst. We need to deal and talk to people about sin. You see, are we more concerned about people ending up in hospital beds Or ending up in hell. Listen, I don't want you to think that I don't care about COVID or caring about each other. We want to be carefully caring for each other. But Jesus pushes beyond the physical sicknesses in this world, in this section in particular, 
uh, to much deadlier consequences of sin. Later on, he'll say something like, don't be scared of those who can kill the body, but be scared of him who can put body and soul in hell. We should view our world and those around us in the same way that Jesus does and make sure that we trust in Jesus who has the authority to deal with our sickness and our sin. So during this time when COVID is going to spread, fears are going to rise, let's be rock solid, telling people about Jesus, not shying away from COVID, but pointing them to the Christ who can give them hope and life beyond death. That's the second point. So we've seen that Jesus, I mean sickness, not Jesus, sickness reminds us of our sin. Jesus has authority over our sickness and our sin. And then thirdly, Jesus wills for us to be healed. And I want you to listen very carefully here with this point. Because what's at stake is that if you don't, you're going to see Jesus as a really powerful man, as we've seen so far in the sermon. But you might not see him as beautiful. But if you listen carefully, he will go from powerful to beautiful, God willing. It's, you know, it's one thing to have power, as Jesus clearly has. But it's another thing altogether to use that power willingly for the good of others. I mean, think of the situation, right, between Russia and they're invading Ukraine this week. It's huge news with devastating consequences. And everyone knows that Putin has the power and the authority with one word, one word, to get the Russian army out of Ukraine. But what's everyone waiting for? We're waiting to see if he wants to. Does he actually want to? We know he's got lots of power at the tips of his finger. But what's at the tip of his heart? Deep down, the bottom of his heart, what desire does he have? Because that is what's going to drive him to use his power in a particular way. Now, Jesus has already shown us the power at the tips of his fingers. And it's much more than what Putin can ever dream of having. But now, Jesus will show us what's at the tip of his heart. What, is, what does he will with all that authority that he's got over sickness and sin? Well, the leper at the start of our passage, he saw this thing too, this conundrum, if you like. And look what he says to Jesus in verse 2. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, I know you can make me clean. I've seen your authority. You have it. All of it. But are you willing? Will you use your power to help me with something that I am powerless against? That's what he says, essentially. And listen to these beautiful words of Jesus in verse 3. I will be clean. Can you hear Jesus' heart for us? For you and for me to be healed of our sin and ultimately of our sicknesses too? He says, I will be clean. He does it again with the centurion. This, you know, this powerful soldier who's, who's you know, killed more than 100 people. I think that's where the, the idea of centurion comes. Or maybe it's because they've got 100 people under them. Either way, he's powerful. And he comes to Jesus because he's powerless to help this paralyzed servant of his. And Jesus says, I will. I will come and heal him. We see that in verse 7. And when Jesus walks into Peter's house and his mother-in-law is sick with a fever, 
Jesus goes over and he heals her. No one even asks him this time. But Jesus even heals those who have no one to intercede for them. He wills for us to be healed, all of us, in all of our fullness. It starts now and it will finally be completed one day. And we see this most clearly with Jesus' death on the cross. Remember the night before Jesus was crucified and he was wrestling with the suffering and the shame and the, and the pain of this path that he was on heading towards the cross. And, and, and he said this to his father, praying earnestly, he said, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus was in his humanly flesh wrestling with all of these things. But before the dawn of time, God the Father, as we were singing earlier, and the Son and the Spirit had willed for us to be healed of our sin and of our sickness. And the Son, Jesus, copped the cross to put that plan into motion. And what did he do on the cross? You see, he finally gives in to the will of the Trinity, even though he wrestles with it. And that he wills so badly for us to be healed. And what did, he, what did he actually do on the cross? Well, we see the answer there in verse 17 of our passage. Look there. It says from the book of Isaiah, it quotes, it says, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. You know, it's so weird. The whole time Jesus is healing these people in chapter 8 and 9, he keeps touching people whenever he can. Ulrich has touched on this already, no pun intended, um, earlier in the service. You know, Jesus would heal someone. Clearly, he does it with his word, but then he just lectures them. And so everyone must think, why is he doing that? You're not meant to do that. You're now sick, in a sense. You are ritually unclean. And he keeps doing that. And what he's doing is he's symbolizing making himself sick or unclean. He never gets sick or unwell, which I think shows us something of who he is. But according to the law, he is ritually unclean. And then in the end, we see Jesus, and he goes and he's crucified where? Outside of the city, outside of the gate. That's where all the sick people had to go and live. That's where the leper used to live. He's crucified as unclean so that we can be clean. He pays for all of our spiritual sicknesses and the consequences of our sins so that we might be healed. The bit that actually is quoted from Isaiah, I think, is the same bit that says, by his wounds we are healed. And so he takes our illnesses and bears our diseases. In the end, we see Jesus is the one who has the authority to choose who's included and excluded because of this work that he's done. Did you notice that in verse 11 to 12? He says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline a table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, Jesus is saying you're no longer included in the kingdom of heaven based on your relationship with Abraham, with Isaac, or Jacob, whether you're relatives of theirs, these Jewish patriarchs. No. Some of the patriarchs are sons and daughters. Their very blood family will be cast out and thrown into the outer darkness. But those who will come from east and west, from north and south, from all over the globe, they will take a seat at the heavenly table. Those who trust Jesus like the centurion did. 
You see, Jesus is setting a new standard. Man, how it must have hurt when he said, I found no one like this with this kind of faith in all of Israel. Just imagine a Jew hearing that. And then Jesus says, no, no, no. The new and only way into God's heavenly kingdom is me. You trust him, you enter. You reject him, well, you're rejected. But he wills for us to be healed in all of its fullness. We just have to trust him. Jesus' heart to use his authority to heal us, I think this is the amazing thing, doesn't stop at the cross. When, when he's finished with his work on the cross and he was raised three days later, it didn't stop there. Have a look here at Philippians. We looked at this actually when we looked at Philippians as well. And I am sure of this, says Paul, that he, that's Jesus, who began a good work in you with his death and resurrection on the cross and then our saving of us, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He said Jesus is using his authority even today to heal those who are trusting in him. Our spiritual healing is not complete as soon as you become a Christian. It's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing work that Jesus does with us as we keep trusting him. And so whatever it is that we're going through right now as followers of Jesus, his heart is for us to grow. And he'll use all of his authority, everything at his disposal, to help us with that if we let him. As we struggle with COVID around us, as we struggle maybe with young children, sleepless nights, as we struggle with pains and aches in our old age, or just the ongoing challenges of living in a fallen world. Whatever it is, Jesus wills and he works in us to get us to the end. That's how faithful he is, like we sang in that song, and how he wills for us to finally reach the end and be healed. But what if he never comes back? Maybe you're thinking that. What if he never comes back? What if he looks at us and goes, gee, these guys are going to make heaven hell for me. might not come back, actually. I'll just keep it all to myself. Well, that's not going to happen. Have a look at what Jesus says here in John 14. He says, "If if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Again, you see those words, I will. I will come again. Jesus says, if I go through all the hard yards of preparing a place for you through the cross at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the uncountable amount of people that's going to put their trust in me, will I not do the easy bit, you know, to come back and get you? Of course I will, Jesus says. I will. That's how badly he wills for us to be healed. And on that day when he comes back, we'll be fully healed, both spiritually and Uh, with no trace of sin in us, as well as never experiencing any sickness or suffering or disease or death. So I guess as we finish, the question for all of us is this. Are you trusting in Jesus for a place at the heavenly table? Are you trusting in you now so that you can be included then? He's willing and he's able And he's the only doctor that can heal us of the sickness of sin that we're so powerless against and that will ultimately keep us away from this table, this eternal table of fellowship, feasting, and celebration. I want to pray for us. 
And then I'm going to give you some time to think about that question as we gather around the Lord's table, a little mini picture of what the one in heaven is going to be like. Let me pray for us first. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for showing yourself to us again this morning, more clearly. And we know in the scriptures we are told to remind ourselves of grace again and again and again. It is what keeps us going in all things. And we have seen your grace to us again as you are made unclean that we might be made clean. And you've got your arms open to everyone, even those that the world reject, even those that religious groups exclude. You've got your arms wide open that they might come in. And so we thank you for that. We also thank you that you are not just there with open arms now at the beginning, but you're right now busy using everything at your disposal, all your powers to help us persevere, to grow us, to help us face challenges, to put things in our paths, to make sure that we grow in our faith and cling to you, that we might stand before you pure one day. And we know you will come. You will not leave us here. Thank you for all these good things. Thank you that one day we'll be gathered around your table. And as we gather around your table now this morning, in a way, would you lead us through this, expose us and shape us now, Uh, help us to look deeply into our heart to those sins that are unseen and eternally deadly, that we would check our hearts and that you would use this opportunity uh, to grow us again, that we might advance in seeking your kingdom and your righteousness above all. In your name we pray this. Amen.